today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcanta. Do these things, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Okay, so is our blessing secure, or do we have to obtain the blessing? And Peter says, yes. If a Christian turns and pursues sin and evil, Scripture is clear that God disciplines those he loves, and he will oppose you. You may be secure in Christ from an eternal perspective, but here on earth, God may oppose you. If you're a husband not treating your wife well, as we just read last week, God may not listen to your prayers. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. that there are two kinds of blessings that the Bible talks about? Pastor Ricky will be explaining how there are blessings that belong to us and are secure because we are God's children. But there are also blessings that are conditional based upon our obedience to our Father in heaven. If you're choosing to disobey God in a certain area, you can expect him to reward your disobedience by giving you blessings in that area of your life. Don't rob yourself of experiencing the best life you can live. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part one of his message entitled, Your Blessed Life Now. What does blessing really mean? What does it mean to be blessed? And in some ways, I think this question inside the church has only gotten more confusing because certain strains of the church, uh, and especially certain strains of what's known as prosperity theology, make this confusing. This is where preachers can kind of drift into defining blessing sort of according to what would appear in your Instagram feed. More health, more wealth, hotter spouse, a better job. And sometimes there's even an appeal that you go to church or you plug into the church or you especially give to the church to receive a blessing in return. Here's my question. What would it look like for you to consider your life blessed today? And how do you go about receiving that blessing? Now, this is what we're going to get into in 1 Peter today, but in our section of Scripture, Peter brings up the concept of blessing several times, and he brings it up in a strange place. He wrestles with blessing in the context, actually, of a letter addressed to a group of people that are suffering. And then he has the audacity to tie this blessing and suffering together with sharing your faith. And then he wraps it all together by pointing us to Jesus. Now, listen, this is not everything the Bible says about blessing, but I think it does say some very important things about blessing. So we're going to kind of fly over this passage um, and we'll learn several key things about blessing. And the title of today's message is your blessed life now. So let's go. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. 
For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. The baptism, which, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a res removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. Well, we're going to go through several points here today, and we're going to move rapidly through this passage, and I'm not going to be able to unpack every single nuance of these verses, especially the things at the end related to Noah and the flood and that corresponding to baptism. Um, I have done the smart thing and asked Jonathan Matthews to preach on that at a later time. So Jonathan, we're all looking forward to that. Thanks, buddy. Can't wait to find out what's going on with Noah there. Now, I'm going to break up this passage into four points, and I want you guys to really get this. And so I'm going to give you the point, and then I'd love for you to repeat it back to me, okay? The first point is this, be blessed. What is it? Be blessed. Be blessed. The first section of this passage gets into what blessing is and really how to obtain Blessing. Now, before we get into this, I have, to, I have to point something out. That Peter has already been talking about our blessings in Christ. In fact, he started the whole letter with a list of blessings in Christ that are ours. He, he talks specifically about how we were born again to a living hope. And second, that we now, because of that, have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us. So there is a sense in which all of these blessings in Christ are sure and steadfast and immovable. There is a sense in which every moment of the Christian life is a blessed moment. There is, in fact, never a moment, if you're a Christian, there's never going to come a moment when the blessings of Christ's salvation and your sure and eternal hope will not be true. You sit here today blessed, regardless of your job status, regardless of how hard your week was, regardless of how you're feeling, Peter would remind you, friend, you are blessed. But then what's interesting is he tells us, okay, 
how to be blessed. He says in verse 8 and 9, do these things for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Okay, so is our blessing secure or do we have to obtain the blessing? And Peter says, yes, if a Christian turns and pursues sin and evil, scripture is clear that God disciplines those he loves and he will oppose you. You may be secure in Christ from an eternal perspective, but here on earth, God may oppose you. If you're a husband not treating your wife well, as we just read last week, God may not listen to your prayers. But if you pursue the Lord, you will see God's blessings multiply in the form of godliness and goodness and eternal rewards that will be stored up for you one day. So how do we obtain this blessing? We are blessed, but how do we obtain this blessing that Peter is talking about? Well, he lays out two paths. Verses eight, in verse eight, he, he says, okay, here's one path. This is the path of pursuing unity with your brothers and sisters in the church. This is the path of being sympathetic and mourning and rejoicing with people around you. It's the path of loving others as part of your own family. It's the path of not letting your heart be hard, but tender and humble. It's a path of holding back your tongue from sinning and and not speaking lies and deceit. And it's the path of actively doing good and actively seeking to bring peace. You see, Peter is, is piling up these aspects of the Christian life to essentially say, Walk in godliness and holiness and goodness. That's that's one path. Walk in a way that honors God. But there is another path. And Peter introduces Psalm 34 to kind of illustrate this other path. And this path does have a pursuit of evil there. It's full of lies and deceit. It's a turn toward evil. That's a different path. And then Peter lays out where each path ends. The evil path ends with this stark warning. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Christian, even if you are in Christ, God can oppose you because of your sin. And he invites you not to pursue that path, but instead to see the end of this other path. That if you keep yourself from these things and you do good and you bring peace, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears and and his ears are open to their prayer. So when we pursue holiness and righteousness and the path of the Lord, God rejoices over this. He delights to answer our prayers for good things. His eyes are uniquely watchful over us. To sum this up, one commentator looking at the sweep of all of history concludes this. The ultimate and only blessing is that of belonging to God, being part of his people and a member of his family. The only real curse is being out of relationship with God, outside of the community of blessing. Although bad things can and do happen to those who belong to the kingdom, those who are part of God's people cannot be under the curse. Rather, they are blessed. Here's what's going on. The ultimate curse, the ultimate curse of ultimate separation and being cut off from God and his family will not fall 
on a Christian, someone who's trusted in Christ for their salvation. And yet our sin does disrupt our relationship with God. But in a similar way, those blessings that are eternal are sure and steadfast. And yet when we pursue God, when we follow him, our relationship with God grows and is strengthened. I have two sons, and when they were born, um, something happened. An unbreakable bond formed with those boys. For the rest of their lives, Jen and I will love these kids. That relationship is secure. Uh, There's not something that they could do that would make me turn away and never, ever want to see them. I love these boys. They are my sons, my family. But even as one and three-year-old little guys, when they rebel, the nature of our relationship changes a little bit, right? So if one of them, we go to Target to pick out a toy and one of them keeps screaming or grabbing things or trying to punch his brother in the head, um, there will be no toy at the end of the Target visit, right? If dinner time doesn't go well, that delicious chocolate cake will not be in their mouths, right? The nature of our relationship changes a little bit. And, and obviously it continues as you age. And in a similar way, God's relationship to us does not change in that if we've been adopted into his family, that is secure. But if we choose rebellion and evil and sin, God will oppose us. And if we press into him, God delights and welcomes us in. So think about it this way. You are blessed, Christian, but will you pursue the blessing of God? There is an invitation in this passage today, friends, to be blessed. And God invites you down the path of blessing. But the second point comes alongside this one. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it. I'm going to give you the first point and then the second one, okay? Second point is this, be blessed even in suffering. Say that with me. Be blessed even in suffering. Remember the context here. Peter is not writing to Christians with fancy houses who are well-regarded in their society with limitless potential, getting interviewed on late-night talk shows. Peter is writing to people starting to face persecution. In fact, Peter himself will be martyred just a few years after writing this letter. And Peter wants them to understand something, that that blessing and suffering are not mutually exclusive. Blessing does not mean no suffering. But in a similar way, suffering does not mean no blessing. There's a few points that Peter gets, gets into here. Verse 13, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Now, first, we should point out that some suffering, as we just referenced, is the result of our sin. A man that gets addicted to drugs may find his life destroyed, his job lost, his family cut off. A person that is sexually promiscuous gets an STD. A person embezzling gets caught. Some suffering is the result of our sin. But second, some suffering is a result of righteousness. Peter brings up that you may suffer for righteousness' sake. 
Now, maybe you won't join in the crew joking at your workplace and your boss doesn't like that, so you get passed over for a promotion. Maybe you speak up about something at work that you think is, is maybe just over the line of being ethical and you find your bonus a little smaller than last year. Maybe you try to reach out to a mo another mom in your mom's group that the other moms don't like and you find yourself on the outside with her. See, in this sinful world that we live in, suffering can be the very result of righteousness. Sometimes suffering and opposition means you're headed in the right direction. And this can apply even to spiritual opposition. I wish you could say more about this, but, but in the book of Job, Satan hates Job precisely because he is righteous and he seeks to follow God. I, I heard a pastor say this one time, look, if you're getting shot at, it might mean you're flying over the right target, right? Satan may not be a fan of what you're doing. And I've, I've seen this. Sometimes when people get a heart for mission or decide to follow the Lord, all of a sudden they find trials and tribulations in their lives. Some suffering is the result of actually trying to follow God. Third, some suffering is the result of just sin's effects in a broken world. The Bible tells us that sin has broken the world, that God's original good creation, and the world that was created to be at harmony, is broken. This general brokenness of the world is, is why we have snake bites and colds and earthquakes and cancer. None of that stuff was as God intended in the beginning. So some suffering we may not understand. We may not understand why someone gets killed in a car accident, or we may not understand why a stray bullet takes the life of one of our fellow soldiers in combat. We live in a fallen world, and we feel the effects of this world every day. And humanly speaking, we may not ever understand it beyond the fact that we live in such a broken world with its source being the brokenness of sin. But fourth, and this is important, suffering is not outside God's sovereign will. It is better to suffer, Peter says, for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This verse is a beautiful paradox on the sovereignty of God. It says that it may be God's will for us to suffer as we do good, but then it encourages the reader, well, don't suffer for doing evil. So on the one hand, it says, listen, God is totally in control. And on the other hand, it says, hey, you have a decision to make here. Now, we see in scripture with utter and absolute clarity that nothing in the universe happens apart from God's sovereign will. He is sovereign over all things and all storms and all decisions and every body cell and every star. And yet our choices are full of meaning. And choosing to follow God results in something and turning away from God results in something. So how do we put these things together? Well, Peter doesn't pause here to help us put it together, but I think we can say this. We are creatures, God is, is a creator, and if God in his word says two things that in our mind seem a paradox, we affirm them and rejoice. How is God, how is Jesus both fully God and fully man? 
I don't know. We affirm it and we rejoice. How is God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I don't get that. We affirm it and we rejoice. How can God be utterly sovereign over everything in the universe and still say that what we do matters? We affirm it and we rejoice. But Peter gives us this in a very particular way because it is a comfort above all comforts in the midst of suffering. Romans 8.28 says this, God causes all things, not just some things, but all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Every accident, every tragedy, every small daily suffering, listen, Christian, is not meaningless, but it is full of meaning because God's sovereign will is using it for your eternal good. Suffering is not outside of God's sovereign will. Last year, I was talking to two folks from the church who have dealt with extremely serious and even life-threatening health issues, and both said almost the same thing word for word. They said, this has been harder than I ever could have imagined but I would not trade it for anything. They found the blessing of Christ even in their suffering. And two things begin to happen as we go through suffering. The first is that it makes the eternal blessings that are ours in Christ more bright and real and sure than they ever were before. See, when things are going well, when we think we're gonna live forever, The biggest problem that we suffer from is a long commute or a bad performance review. But friend, when you've got a diagnosis that could end your life in a matter of years or months, the reality of eternity breaks into your life. And you think, listen, I may have this, but I'm blessed. But second, you find glimpses of eternal purpose in the midst of suffering. See, we can't see everything that God is doing in the midst of suffering. But I I believe God does give us glimpses of his purpose in the midst of suffering. That a year later, two years later, or five years later, we look back and we say, listen, I don't know exactly what God was doing there, but he did this and he did this. He did this in my family and this in my kids. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. So friend, if, if if you're reading this well, if you're understanding what the Bible says, Be prepared for suffering. Don't be surprised by it. But listen, suffering does not change the blessing of salvation that you have received. Suffering does not change the blessing of salvation in our eternal inheritance. From Listen, from an eternal perspective, the worst that suffering can do is store up more eternal rewards for you. If you were to look back from the perspective of eternity, suffering, pain, hurt, cannot ultimately wound you. Peter is one of those hard-hitting books in the Bible intended to shake us to the core. In this series, Pastor Ricky will be sharing messages entitled The Counter-Cultural Christian Community and The Time is Short and many more. 
Each one of these messages will bring insight into specific areas in the Christian life. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcanta of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at www.betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, the number to call is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. Music heard here on Better News Radio is courtesy of Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series in the book of 1 Peter next time on Better News Radio. Open.